the Better Life, Better Work show, and I'm your host, Allison Crow. I'm an intuitive life and business coach here to help you create better life and better work. I help super successful people, you know, the recovering overachievers, put the soul back in their lives, and I help soulful people create success. On this show, topics range from the mystic to the logistic, and our content will support your being and your doing while on your path to create better life and better work. More is not better. Better is better. Hey, hey, soulful people. This is episode number 149. I'm Allison Crow, your host, and today I have a special treat for you. I have Dr. Aaron M. Baker, entrepreneurial coach and social psychologist. They are a self-leadership and business mentor to entrepreneurs and transformational leaders. But more than that, no, not really. And they're also one of my internal family systems pals. And Aaron and I totally geek out about internal family systems together. And originally, I had wanted to bring um, a very formal and, you know, almost class-like just intro to internal family systems that I've been diving in and I kept putting it off and kept putting it off. And I knew that I was going to bring Aaron on for an episode where we just kind of geek out on it. And so that's what you're getting today. You're getting our geek out episode. We're doing it happy hour style and super excited to share a little bit about internal family systems. It is more than a modality For me, it's a modality and a paradigm and a spiritual practice. And so I hope you enjoy this episode with me and my good friend, Dr. Erin M. Baker. Hello, hello. This is episode number 149 of the Better Life, Better Work show. And I've been planning to do two podcasts. One was like this super serious. Oh, wait, hold on. I don't want to be in this position. Okay, here's what's going on for those of you watching and for those of you listening. I have had it in my plans to share a a very informational introduction to IFS. What's this parts work that I've noticed my voice that I'm talking about? And then I wanted to have Aaron on because we've been nerding out over this. And so I was like, let me, I was like, I'm going to do this intro one and kind of explain what it is. And then I'll do the fun one with Erin. And I was just thinking of Erin and she just posted. And I was like, what are you doing now? So here's what we're doing. I have a drink. (laughs) You you inspired me to get one. So we'll see what happens. And so It's almost um, five o'clock here on the East Coast. Erin Baker is here. Do you have a a middle name? Uh, I do. Emma. So I'm What's Dr. Aaron Baker. I'm Dr. Aaron M. Baker on Instagram because it turns out when you take your wife's last name, you become completely ununique. So there are Aaron Bakers out there in the world, including one who makes granola. So I have to use my middle initial so people find so, me. Dr. E. Dr. E. That works for me. Dr. E is one of my newest friends and um, just biggest soul crushes. Uh, and she was willing to come and talk about this right now. We've been like, she's been a peer. Um, I don't know when you start, you told me when you started your therapy, but I started, I started doing IFS in February and like, no, this is it. And you know, this is it. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm going to say these two things. We are going to have a lighthearted discussion about something that's really deeply and serious to both of us. And so 
Um, it, I, it's more of a happy hour chat because we're having a happy hour with it too. And I just think it will be fun. And so I'm sure all your parts are welcome. All my parts are welcome. And I want to hear what, like introduce yourself, how, like in the most playful, fun way that you want to, what are your parts want to be known as we come into this podcast together? Well, I'm going to start out with, I don't know where it is. Oh, it's on my shelf. Let me go get, I'm not just Dr. E. I am Dr. Bagel. <laughs> that makes me think of my cervix. Uh, gross. Um, so when I was in college, I turned out to be all of my friends' therapists. Who knew I was going into the coaching world 20 years later? Uh, and there was another Aaron in the group. And I had this idea that everybody has a spirit pastry. And for some reason, I was stud bagel because I was tougher than a stud muffin. And so Bagel became my nickname and all of my college friends know me as Bagel. So when I got my PhD back in 2014, this showed up. Dr. Bagel. And I love it because it's a representation of like, yeah, I'm kind of a serious person about certain things, but I'm also a big ass goofball. And so I even just recently started allowing people to call me doctor because I was like, eh. That's too serious. That's too stuffy. That's too professory. But turns out I got a PhD, so I might as well. I know. Right? Like, oh, right? and that was that was one of the other things. Like when you told me, A, you had lived in Austin, you come from academics, you got your PhD at the University of Texas. Hello, yep. my double alma mater, and still crave my PhD, but actually being friends with you has convinced me not to do it. And I'm just going to call myself not PhD, Dr. Allison. (laughs) Erin is awesome. She's a transformational coach. And we met on Facebook through our other communities that, you know, we've could have crossed rooms forever. We met because I stalked you. I'm going to be real honest. I'm real honest. Like, I don't know if it, who it might have been Niyama, Ashong, or some people who were like, you need to follow Alison Crow. And you're part of the same communities. And then I started reading all your stuff and I'm like, woman, get out of my head. Like, what are you every freaking post? And my parts, because we'll talk about this, we're going all ape about how I'm not showing up. I'm not saying things. Why is she saying what's in my head? I should be saying what's in my head. And then at some point, we finally got in touch and realized. We're just super dope people who think very similarly. I know. We do have a lot in common. I love that. Um, how do you describe, like, if someone says, what's IFS, how do you describe it? I start with this idea that what if we are not a singular being, but we are made up of all these different identities and values and beliefs and what if we can talk to them directly and welcome them, in, welcome them into our lives rather than try to exile them? What if they all have positive intent? So that's, I really start with the part stuff. The self-leadership is secondary, but I really like this idea of being a constellation. And it really resonates for me because you know, I identify as non-binary gender, which means I'm holding this paradox of male and female all the time. And as I started exploring all these paradoxes, I'm like, we are multiples And they are like these little entities, right, that are communicating with each other and trying to make the system work. And so when I first heard IFS described as parts, I went, 
I've been thinking this way my whole life. I have been talking about my clients and all of them being welcome my whole life. And here's this framework who's that's backing me up. That's pretty cool. My heart gets so happy because, right? Like you, I had the experience of, um, you know, my, my therapist sent me this book that talked about this framework. And I was like, oh my gosh, this makes sense. I've already been talking about this. And um, I talked with clients today about what it means to be what I call self-centered. Mm. Like I've long said that be self-centered. If we're self-centered, yeah. then everything that touches our orbit gets the benefit. And I've also long, like even in the early days of hardcore real estate coaching, like a part of me feels like this and a part of me feels like that. And then I have a little bit of formal training in like inner child work and stuff like that too. Mm. And, um, the things that I recognize. So Aaron and I have a fun saying together that I can't remember if it was my coach. I use this to, to, and I make up that she looked at me crazy, but that's the part that's been running the show for the week. But I was like, parts emergency. (laughs) Yep. And it's just so, so healing to be able to go, I'm in a parts emergency. And someone goes, I gotcha. I totally get it. (laughs) Totally. And I've been using that in my head too. And like, I can't tell you how many times I'm like, I just want to tell Alice I'm in a parts emergency right now because two days ago I had a major freak out on something and I was like, oh my God, it's a parts emergency. I think that's the other reason, like one of the reasons I like the spontaneous is that um, instead of you and I doing this podcast from self, like we're really here with our whole internal family. So internal family is... um, uh, I want to call it, it's, to me, it's more than a model, but it's a, it, to me, it's a paradigm. It's a way of seeing the world, a way of seeing ourselves, our, yeah. as a human from this, like m- from this multiplicity and there's an internal structure, just like there's structure out in the world. And so this guy that developed it was doing external family, right. And families or structures. And he was like, Oh, right. we seem to have this internal one. And, there's parts and there's really wounded parts. And then there's also this sacred holy center, which I have been calling the God inside you, not the God mm. of religion, not the God outside of you, but the I am this that I call the sacred self. Ooh, I love that. I know, right? So it's all it's all so fucking perfect. And um Well, I know it's funny. I have this, I was thinking there's so many things I think of it and not, you know, he talks about constellation. I've been starting to think about it like the universe, right? Cause we've got these galaxies cause parts can have parts. And one of the things I said maybe a year ago before any of this came into my life was like, you are the universe, you're whole mm-hmm. and complete and you're expanding. And now I'm just recognizing the layers of truth of that. What happens are- in your body when you feel a new layer oh. of truth? Oh, I mean, like right now I'm hot as hell. I mean, I know, just sweating. I <laughs> I'm like sweating. You can see my face is red. It's also just got warm in here. But like it, 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 it's hot, but it's also like it just feels right. And, you know, it's just everything clicks into place when I think of the, the constellation and that center being yourself and i i have not had a particularly strong relationship with spirituality but this level of spirit that essence that fact that we all have a self that is undamageable that really lands for me yeah and it's not outside of us and what the other thing i really love about it 
And I have a couple of, um, I'm like you, we're both researchers, right? Like we both, yeah. <laughs> we're both big credit givers. <laughs> We've talked about that. Like, yes. oh, I can't stand in the coaching world where everybody takes credit. And I'm yep. like writing a bibliography at the back of every conversation I have. But Matt Kahn is a spiritual teacher. He's actually on mm-hmm. the woo-woo end, but he's a spiritual teacher who never pushes away uncomfortable feeling. And so like I mm-hmm. got immersed into him a couple years ago. They're there. Uh, you know, no matter what you feel, you deserve more love, not less. You did nothing wrong. And these phrases just went through my whole body as like, not just an intellectual truth, but they, they drop below my head into my body and mm. something inside said, this is God. This is, and I don't even like to use that word, but like this is, and then I, I had a near death experience. Well, not near death. I had a death experience with a dog, with my dog, and my dog went through me during the death. That's a whole other podcast, but he went through wow. me very clearly in an L shape. So totally long story, but you know, I'm in this distress, and then for this L shape millisecond, I felt what people who've had near death describe. I felt infinite love and connection, and wow. then it was gone. And so that's the same feeling I get. Now, here's the other fun part. Self is not separate from the parts. Like, self doesn't want any of these parts to go away. They're all welcome. And this is a cheesy little memory that shows my, um, not bias, but my conditioning. Like, there's the pictures of Jesus, and he says, come, little children, and be with me. Like, the Mm. loving part of Jesus instead of the critical. And I feel like self-energy just says, hello, everybody. I'm so glad you're here. Let's be together. It's inclusion, right? <laughs> it is the opinion. It, of I inclusion. mean, I'm a huge proponent of inclusion. And when I started realizing, oh my gosh, we can't do this external inclusion thing until we recognize that there's a need for internal inclusion. And that's exactly what self is doing. How can we include anybody until we include the parts Every, of us? Of us. Right, because the stuff that we're exiling or judging or whatever about everybody else is the stuff that we're exiling and judging about ourselves. One of the things that got me into this, I have two distinct parts. Well, they're probably sections of parts. Actually, part in an exile. But I have, um, and I have actually not shared this on social media, despite how much I share. I've drawn a picture of her. Um, But I have a fuck you part and she's a teenager and she's very fierce and protective. And she like goes fuck you to all the politicians on Twitter. (laughs) And she's, she's physically violent. She carries a knife. She's so protective. Like she's calm and quiet, like a secret service person, but then she will slit your throat if she needs to. And obviously the last, five years, especially up through 2020. She's, she's really likes being friends with me now, but Mm -hmm. she was so present and I didn't know what to do with her. Cause I'm actually, Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody thinks I'm a big rebel. I just live on the edges, but I'm not really a rule breaker. And, but I felt so uncomfortable being so angry. And so like, so Mm -hmm. fucking pissed off that I could fucking kill you. And then, but what she's protecting is the little itty bitty one in me that 
is so afraid of being left and rejected and unloved and Mm -hmm. doing it wrong. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So can you think of a primary protector that shows it like that brought you to this work? I mean, there's something that has to go. I need a little bit more than a coach. Oh, I've got so, so many. Um, I mean, when you, talk about anger that is definitely one for me and um i've been suppressing anger for i'm 37 37 years of my life um and that's because of the destruction i saw my dad create through his anger and so it's really hard for me especially in the political climate to balance this this sense of like, no, I want to and need to be angry. And this anger is dangerous thing because I, when you describe your little, you know, your little protector, I think of that's exactly my, my anger can slice somebody's head off with words and it's protecting me from destroying my relationships, my closest relationships. So I'm not necessarily worried about the abandonment. I'm worried about causing others to, leave. And what does it mean if you cause others to leave? <clears throat> oh, it means I'm a terrible person and I'm going to be alone. Like, I think, you know, everything comes back to that. Right. And so I was even just on a call with my therapist right before you said, let's get on. And, um, something that you and I had in a conversation a couple of weeks ago was about, I have these two parts, one that really, really wants to do all this alone. And one that's feeling really fucking alone right now. Mm-hmm. And so we dove into that part and it turns out it is protecting an exile that goes back way, way back to being loved and seen and protected. And so there's a, a lot more to dive into next time with my therapist around this particular exile and what it needs in order to unburden. Those polarities... I mean, a couple of years ago, I did a whole event on both and and woman of range and, and just, you know, my first I, podcast was called life in the end. Cause it was all about, no, maybe you've told yeah. me that. And, and yeah, it was perfect to bring it up here. Right. Cause this, that was the beginning of this idea, right? We're all these ands and yes. they're often po- polarized and paradoxical and all of that. And that's my fascination. So the both and is exactly that this right Uh, yeah it is it's like becoming a person of range and then i i have a saying the more i meet myself the less i want to punch other people in the face the more i'm inclusive myself the easier it is to be inclusive right and i also have a little part of me so i think this is interesting right especially the last five years mostly definitely up in the 90 something percent i am physically safe in the status quo but mm. you are not. No. And, and marginalized people are not. And underrepresented people are not who've had to hide who they are at the core of their being. There are still people out there that, that make that wrong. And there's a little one in me. <laughs> and she's connected to self too, but she's like... I don't know, somewhere, someone sometime told me that my name, Allison, meant justice, and it really doesn't. I think it means yeah. truth, noble truth. Um, but for a long I time, as name. A, I know, right? For a long time, I was like, that's why, like, as a little kid, I didn't understand why I felt this sense of justice. Mm. And there's a, there's a part of me that not only wants to protect little Allison, 
But that little Allison was so, you know, she came in the world walking, talking, being with spirit. I think all of us do. And then yeah. life just it. starts, mold, you know, beating the shit out of us and subtly molding and, you know, from mm-hmm. all directions. And so, track with me here. This actually came up on a coaching call today. It was really cool. I had a client who shared that they had a selfish part. And this is a group session. Mm. And I picked on them and I was like, tell me a little bit about the selfish part. And this, this person was like, My, I'm broken hearted about the world. Mm. And the primary thinking thing I'm thinking of is titling my podcast. And now I see that titling the podcast and moving forward, it is this person's way to contribute to the broken hearted world. Yes, absolutely. Like, like that creative part. And, and someone told us, we actually had this common, um, you may be a little young for it. Do you remember um, Feed the World? Like, or at least Feed the World. And all these rock stars got together. Michael Jackson. Oh, yeah. I'm not too Farm young Aid. Okay. Farm Aid. Yeah. Um, Wasn't that when and, Michael Jackson, like, we are the world. Yeah. We there, are that, the children. There's yeah. Farm Aid and then there's this one. But yes, there was one. Like, yeah. Feed okay. the World came up at Christmas. And, and then the other thing our parents would say to us is eat your lima beans or starving kids in Ethiopia. Yeah, it was so, China when I was young. Okay. <laughs> the country's changed. Okay, so what I love about this is it was like everybody, no matter the age in my group today, just nodded their head. Like, you know, someone didn't give you permissions to have a preference for or against lima beans as a child who didn't get it. And so as a child who's faced with this plate full of food, Someone tells us that our preference isn't valid and we need to be concerned with the kids in Ethiopia. And there's so much mess in between. If that is not a commentary, right, of all of the ways we self-deny. And we're taught to. I know people mean well. Oh, absolutely. And yet, I noticed the parts of me that would get really angry is because I wasn't meeting parts (laughs) i wasn't listening to them that's another aspect that we talk about a lot um i'm not necessarily hearing this in my training i i mean i hear the process of it but my my in the coaching world we're taught mindset changes everything change your thinking change your life yeah i can't handle that that phrase anymore i just like I'm hitting my face. It hurts. So I know. And I, my parts get all flared up when I go against that grain. Yeah. Tell me more. Oh Share man. More. Um, there's a few things that just flared up for me. And I even just, I was describing somebody who, um, is a big coach in our world and th- that deep coaching goes here up. Um, and, feeling like, oh, I'm being critical of this person. Don't be critical. But then there's also this place of like, well, who are you to go deeper into the somatic nervous system side of things? Who are you to do this IFS stuff when it's that's the therapy world? Um, 
And who are you to go stand out and say coaches are doing it wrong? And there's that, that part of me that grew up alone. I'm an only child and my parents worked a lot and God bless them. They, you know, that there was no intentional, like me being alone, but I was, I was, you know, when you're an only kid, there's no one to play with. And then I was different growing up. And so I was alone. And so being that person who stands out is constantly a challenge for me. And so for me to be sitting here being like, yo, coaching world, there's more to it than this. And we got to be learning from the therapy world. It just all those like, you're about to be abandoned. You're about to be rejected. You're about to be exiled comes way up for me. And I see your face right now. So I'm like, I think Allison's probably experiencing this too. No, I'm sweating. About to take off all my clothes. That's probably why I'm drinking on this podcast. Well, and then I see my therapist and I'm like, she's so... Both both the therapists I work with, I have a couples therapist and a personal therapist. They're both like, please push the boundaries. Do this. They're very supportive. Yes. But I do have these moments and I do want to be very ethical about how I go about doing my work. I do have these moments where I'm like, God, am I just like a fake therapist? That's my part. Let me plant a flag because I want to get there and talk about how we as coaches are using this differently than therapy. Yes, absolutely. I know we are. Yes. Me too. I see, like, I see a place for us. Absolutely. All my parts have been. um, My therapist is also a coach, and I also have the like I do this square head, this knowledge that therapists are trained differently and regulated differently than coaches. And I understand that coaching has regulation and I have not particularly been certified and it's never been a problem for me. And I know that I am ethical. Yes. And I love your though, ethical uncertified phrase. That is, that's exactly right, me. I'm ethically uncertified. And I know that I push the edges of Like one of the things that I do that is probably totally not okay in therapy or coaching is I share behind the scenes with my clients and I tell, I share that like in my behind the scenes, these are some of the things that I'm struggling with and grappling with. And I I don't ask my clients for the support, but I'm just transparent about the parts and that I cried in my pillow four times this week. And here's what I'm doing to meet it. Because no one ever told me in leadership, they just, here's the standard. And they never talked about what happens if I have a meltdown. Do my clients, you know, and I know there's people that are like, I would never share with my clients that I had a meltdown. And every single time for the last 15 years that I have shared a piece of that transparency, someone, if not multiple people have said, this keeps me going. I'm normal. Thank you. I same thing with I worked with Christina Berkeley for two and a half years because she was transparent with me about everything that was happening and it helped me feel more connected. So one of the things I've really been thinking about as my own leadership is the people who pretend that they've got it all figured out or maybe they're not pretending, but they're just not sharing it. I'm disconnected from them because I don't see myself in them. Right. And so I'm like you, Allison, with my clients, like I'm not necessarily, I may not be quite as transparent as you because I don't know the last time I told someone I cried for four hours or four times into a pillow, but I definitely am sharing with them on a regular basis. 
here's what I'm working on and here's how I'm thinking about it. And here's how I do things because they're not going to show up as all of them in their beautiful mess. If they think they're standing with someone who's perfect. It's another version of representation. Right. If, and if, I sh- if, if there's no m- messy leadership that's succeeding and making it work, then there's no potential that I could be a leader or that I could be successful. And, you know, I don't you even want to call it this mess now, right? Like, because if yeah, I just is, see perfection. The gap is too wide. The gap yes. is too wide for me to fill. That's exactly. And so that post that you read before we got on today was all inspired by this idea of like, so many people think they're too messy to lead. They think they're too in their own process to be, you know, coaching or serving or, you know, even therapists, right? With others. And that's exactly the people that the world needs. Because they need if, us. They you, need you, if you are messy, if you are a messy leader and you're doing it and you're helping me see how you're doing it, I can do it too. <gasps> that's the whole point. Like nobody taught us how to. Nobody taught us how to feel uncomfortable feelings. They just told us to shove it away. And now that's ending up in like, we're, this is our, when I say generation, I mean like our 50, 60 years of people that are in this range of we're, we're in a, we're not in the transformation. We're in the breakdown before the transformation. I don't, can't remember which colleague to give that credit to. And I was like, Oh, fuck me. Cause wouldn't it be fun to be at the, in the revolution Oh we're, yeah, we're, we're actually definitely. in the wars before the revolution. Yeah, um, I remember when a good friend of mine who's a shaman and really connected to the spirit world said Trump needed to happen in order for this next level of consciousness and I was like, "Well, f- fuck, why do I have to live through this part?" <laughs> right? Oh, what's next? Right, but then aren't you I think you're probably like me. Do you have any Scorpio in you? I'm not a super astrology person, but I might I'm, have some Scorpio. I'm I am so resistant to all things personality test. I love uh, you for that. <laughs> right. I'm resistant to all things spiritual, except for some reason I have a, an, a fondness for the Enneagram. I know. And I, and, it, and I, there's a part of me that beats myself up because I'm supposed to be a hundred percent against all of these classifications. <laughs> But for well, some right. reason, like, that was one of my, for me. That was one of my big things with my amazing coach therapist. And, and I'm aware that she's an Enneagram three. And so I'm having this interpreting part that's like, oh, she's making this general recommendation that I get certified. And I finally did clarify. And I was like, is that was it was it something I said or is this? And she's like, actually, when I see people are interested in IFS, because I'm behind the scenes, uh, you know, I'm always I'm always recommending him when she said the word oversight. I about no, I did not even come close to shitting my pants. I, my heart. That's the nice word. Like parts emergency. Parts emergency. Here's the thing: saying shitting my pants dishonors the fear and trembling I felt in my heart, and she did not cause the fear and trembling. No, but I recognized, and we had this boxer interaction. I haven't asked permission to share this, but I'm a client. I can share it. <laughs> I just, I just decided, but I had this parts emergency and, you know, and that was the thing. I just let myself feel like I want her to like me. Mm. 
my adult knows that, but the little girl in is like, I want her to think I'm good at this. And, and she does, she had in the same conversation, she was like, I've never seen somebody take to IFS so naturally and quickly. And so that felt really validated. And the same little girl that wanted and craved that validation was like, oh, but you think I'm doing it wrong. And that after 15 and a half years, and and she didn't. But so it's like, I look forward to our next conversation because we're going to talk about the parts of me that oversight, I was abused by oversight and abused by the system. Mm. Right? Like, how do your parts feel about the fucking system? Not so good, obviously. I know. I just have so much compassion for him, though. I do, too. And I, I so have compassion for your part to flare up with this certification stuff. And, the, you know, you need the piece of paper saying that you're good enough. I'm curious when you're, especially your little, I call my little, my exiles are yeah. really littles. They're really little. <laughs> Yeah. And I just, I, I used to keep a picture of third grade Allison with her long curly fuzzy mm. hair on my computer. I need to find it. I keep one. this one. This is me. Oh my goodness. Right. This is little me from, I think I might've been three. Little E. And it's, it's a little feminine for me, but like, she's pretty cute. Like you just oh, can't no, let me see her. I think she might be a little Andrew. She's got a little tie. on. She just has a little she's... girly tie, but yeah. She's cute. And I I sat her next to my desk for the same reason of I can't look at that that human. How old was she? I see anything. I think she's three there. You did she if you tap into her and you can say I don't want to go here. Um no, yeah, did, I'm, she I'm feel, open. did she feel too girly at that age? Like did she feel like things like that didn't or did she yeah. like that little tie? Yeah, okay. Oh no, she felt too girly. Uh when I was really able to start processing and I'm I don't know what age it was maybe five there was that like I think I was supposed to be a boy but I don't really want to be a boy and sort of I don't know what that means but one thing that my parents were wonderful about is they never um they never tamped down the masculine in me uh I had a basketball in my hand from the minute I could could have one in my hand I was wearing basketball shorts and jerseys and playing with the boys and I know behind the scenes, at least my dad was worried I might turn out gay, which spoiler alert, very, um, but he wasn't worried that you're gay. I I mean, I don't, I can't, he was worried about the societal stuff, but both my parents, right. right? Yeah. But yeah, they never, they never did anything to quell the gender stuff. Um, it was not until middle school when people started bullying me when I was like, well, there's seriously, clearly something wrong with me. And um, I tried real hard to be a girl for a long time, a long time. So right, those parts that were like, damn it, we're going to be a girl. Damn it. We're going to fit in. We're going to fit in come hell or high water. We're going to find a way to like boys. We're going to try to not be a boy. Isn't that crazy? Like you don't even have to be non, I mean, non-binary is the intense version of it. And my parts feel so much compassion and like want to hold your parts because I still feel even this week twice by both my therapist and my coach, they were like, you're a unicorn. And of course, here's the thing. I don't resonate with a unicorn because they're so fucking overused. They are. 
And so I'm like, no, that's too commercial for me. I'm like, I'm just weird. Yeah. I think and you need to take out your paints and you need to draw your, your spirit, whatever unicorn, not unicorn, but animal. I Maybe not even an animal. I mean, that's the thing. She's, she's, she's so morphy. It's like wonder twins power up. Right. Mm. And that's what's so amazing about her is that I really am adaptable. Right. Like, Oh my God, thank God for childhood trauma because how fucking amazing are we? Right. Right. I mean, it's so true. I mean, and that leads me to, that leads me to Aaron. Um, how, we use IFS in coaching. And yes, by the way, it. the little rule follower in me wants the whole world to know that both Aaron and I, who are in trainings, we have not been able to get into the certification yet, but in our trainings, they say, go ahead and use this with your clients now to the level that you feel comfortable. So neither yes. one of us are violating any protocol for the record. Let me just share that. I, thank you to your rule abiding part for being so protective of both of us right now. I, I mean, I told, I told my gal, I was like, this was, I don't know, four or five sessions ago. I was like, I know how, I know how some therapists have feel about coaches. Cause we're out here yeah. raking in the fucking box, doing deep inner yeah. work. Yeah. And she was like, and I was like, I'm a little nervous about being like, you're doing it wrong by the therapist. And she goes, Oh, you will be. <laughs> oh, fuck. Yeah. There's, you're doing it wrong. And there's some, place where I've noticed, I mean, yes, there's places where we could really dive into some deep trauma and do harm if we're not careful. Sure. Absolutely. As long as we're in self and I know we didn't define self, but that's, you know, curiosity, compassion, calm, clarity, courage, confidence. I'm probably missing connectedness. There's eight of them. I'm missing one right now. Did I say compassion? Compassion. Maybe not. Courage, creativity, confidence, connected, compassion, curiosity, calmness. Curiosity is the big one, right? So I, as long as I, curiosity is my number one self quality that I try to be in when I'm with my clients. And as long as I'm in curiosity and not with an agenda, not trying anything, just trying to explore, I don't believe I can go wrong until I hit a place where it's like, we're going to deal with a trauma that I don't know that I should be dealing with. And then I will say, you know what, this probably is outside of my expertise here. Let's, let's refer you out to somebody, but I've not gotten there yet. (laughs) Even if it, even if it comes up, if you can be in calm, curious, compassion and connected, then you can confidently say, I see you. So take not on. Oh, Um, I cannot find the quote. And so it's like, did I make up that he said this, but I give him the reference. So it's there, there. It was tame. I thought it was taming the tiger within. And I went through the whole book and could not find it. But I thought he said, there, there, anger. I see you. I will not leave you. I'm here for you. And if that ain't Mm -hmm. fucking self, I don't know what is. And so I've been using that as an internal mantra and I'm doing it with my clients. It's like, Oh, they're their selfishness. I see you. I'm and I combine it with a hopa hona hona hold a little. I don't know how to say yeah. that. Yeah, I, like I'm here for you. I love you. Please forgive me. I'm not. I'm not leaving you. Like yeah. Let's just be here together. No coaching. Yeah. No. No praying you away. No trying right. to transform you and coach you. Let's just be here together. 
like, like you, like you and me have done with each other. Like, I just want to be in the room with you. Yeah. Nothing you can bring up is wrong. And it's so. That's powerful, right? Cause so many of our parts just need to be acknowledged and seen. And as soon as they are, you can just feel them settle. So I'm finding this is part of the difference of coaching. And as I listen to some of these therapists who are work, therapists are working with people who often, not always, don't have a background in personal development. Right. So our our people, our clients, the people that are aligned with working with us, tend to have a lot of the heavy lifting of awareness and insight and taking responsibility. They may be acting in parts or thinking in parts, but they've done a lot of the heavy lifting. Yeah. And therapists are dealing with acute trauma displaying in a lot of ways. And I feel like we as coaches and, and in our personal stuff, we're dealing with, deeply embedded trauma that is manifesting as a protector. So the exile is being protected by managers, but most of my clients, so there's a distinction. There is a kind of, um, let me get out my notes because I want to get this right until I have it memorized. Protectors can be either proactive managers or reactive firefighters. And I feel like therapists are dealing with both managers and firefighters, but a lot of people seek therapy because of firefighter stuff. Yes. And firefighters is like, they deploy. I'm just going to read from my notes. Um, they don't care about the consequences. I think that's a good identifier. No, it's like these are the, and some of the f- examples of firefighters, right? Alcohol use, binge eating, destructive behavior. It's, those are like some that, yeah, an exile's coming out. We got to like, poof, right? Yeah. They're like, so, distra- they're literally putting out a fire, but right. their, their mode is never again will I allow our system food to feel this way. Protectors. Right are really fucking intelligent. Yes. Firefighters are like really big and dramatic to distract you. Yep. And in coaching, what everybody calls stuck or a limiting belief, procrastination, not good enough. That's a manager. I'm not an expert yet. That's a manager. Oh, not good enough as an exile, but yes, the rest are managers. And I, you're right that I think, you know, we talk about big T and little T trauma, like the little T traumas are really, really embedded. I also think as coaches, at least in my coaching work, we're dealing with it. So Dick Schwartz talks about like, we have protectors that come online based on our childhood experience, right? But we also have them based on what society does, the culture, we have inherited intergenerational protect, uh, managers that are protecting us. And so a lot of times I feel like I'm also dealing with protectors that have come online because like hyper productivity, that's also a cultural manager. And so we're unwinding, where did these come from? Who's, you know, is this something that happened to you in direct experience or is this messaging that we need to rewire? And so there's a place where that's less in, in my therapy world. When I'm going to my therapist, I'm dealing with the childhood, what happened to me, you know, when I was little or anxiety or, you know, other things there. 
But when I'm in coaching world, it's all about these broader contexts that are bringing managers into our system. And the managers like sense? to run the show. Yeah. So Absolutely. analogy, um, there's a couple analogies I use, but the easiest is who's driving the bus. And most of us, yep. without realizing this, no matter how fucking spiritual we are or whatever, dude, our protectors are driving the bus. Our man- managers are driving the bus. And so if somebody is like dealing with acute alcoholism or, or, um, an eating disorder and they're in the, the throes of a binge cycle. Right. I can have a client who has an eating disorder and I can work with her protectors. But what I love is that she has a therapist who is right. really helping her. And here's the other thing. I don't mind if the deep stuff comes up. I actually personally feel capable of holding space and not trying to fix and holding her right. hand until we can get her with the person who's, who's, who's better at that, but like you. So in coaching, and I do, I highly recommend everybody have a coach and everybody have a therapist. I think they're a great one to punch for no pun. Oh, maybe pun intended, right? Well, if coaching, because deep transformational coaching does involve some healing. And so it does, Absolutely. there's this great area where it covers. And that's what the part of me is like, I'm doing it wrong. I'm only supposed to be saying accountability, accountability, accountability. And my soul knows, fuck that shit. None my of that. Soul knows. Yeah. Go ahead. As I say, that's just band-aiding, right? If you're just trying to force new behavior without changing the underlying system, you know, that's like you trying to replant a tree without taking up the root system and also tending to the root system and where it needs to grow. So much of coaching only treats the symptom, not the root. Yeah. And I do. Right. I, one of the things I've noticed in working with myself and working with my clients that because of our history of being in, I'm not working with newbies in the coaching world. That's the, let me, I mean, like, I can't. I can't be accessible to everybody. So I no. use my, there's this part of me that like wants to say, I, not everybody can afford me, but I use my income from coaching to be generous in donations. That is sure. just a whole nother story. And I tend to work with people who've been immersed in this for a while. And so they, I find that they really pick it up easily. Yeah. And they're like, oh my God, this makes sense. They're yes. like, the new IFS circle is coming out. And I told them about it today. Like my scared parts are like, I want you to learn everything through me. But myself is like, no, like the new I, IFS I'm like, circle. when, where do I sign up? Cause I need that. I just joined do the IFS circle. Cause I, I just will. joined the I continuity will. program today. Okay. I um, am all in it. You can't be in the continuity program. No, the circle. I'll go be in the IFS circle. Go be in the circle. I'm behind you by like three months. Just three months. But like that's the thing. You have to have completed the circle. But what I love is there is training and there is witnessing and listening. And then you and I are both doing our individual work. And those are the reasons I feel comfortable for us bringing this with full knowledge. Listen, I'm a lay person in this who fully plans on getting certified because I've never oh, yeah. certified certification. What certification does is not the validity, the full experience. I want the full experience. It's the mastery want, for me. The, the I, am motiv- I am motivated yeah. by the mastery of getting to level three. It reminds me, I've been saying this for a long time. When I, when I had a basketball in my hand, when I was three years old, 
for most of my childhood. That's all I ever wanted to do. And I wanted to be like Michael Jordan. I would have watched every Michael Jordan thing out there. And I would just go out and play basketball all the time. And like, I haven't in my life until IFS had something that I was so interested in mastering just for the sake of mastering the the rest the of my life it's ma- was mastering to prove something. Now it's not mastering. I don't care. Like I, I could probably do pretty well as a coach with my current level of knowledge. I'd get a little yeah. bit better. It's fine. I want the full on IFS experience because I believe it's not just going to change people. It is going to change the world. And I love how Dick Schwartz talks about how we can change communities and society when we do this work, right? It's already there. And I'm like, how do I sign up to be part of that wave? Because my mission, my mission is to make a more authentic, my mission is to make a more authentic, inclusive and equitable world. So that's the individual community and society level. IFS explains it all. I know, right? This is how we get to all three. <laughs> Not that I'm only a coach from IFS. Like I notice when I work with my one-on-one clients, yeah. it's, it's, it's useful when it's useful. But wow. But having that, I call it my, for me, my Mary Poppins bag mm-hmm. of soul medicine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I told my coaches, the clients the other day, so you know that I have a history in business coaching which I'm working to leave, but I still, I enjoy talking. I mean, like, it's just sexy to me to talk about business stuff. And so I told my clients the other day, I was like, I'm just going to tell you what to fucking do. And then we're going to deal with parts. I'm going to tell you to go do the thing. And then we're doing, so this is a mantra. I have not heard this, but my, in my coaching world, I was like, take the action, soothe parts. Don't soothe parts until you're ready to take action. Take the action. Know that parts are going to be activated. Bring your parts. Love it. I know. Isn't that fucking brilliant, Aaron? Oh, that's so much better than like, I've been really thinking about all the mantras in the coaching industry and the ones that kind of like irk me at this point and like feel the fear and do it anyway. I love that because now it's do it anyway and then calm the parts that come out. And, and But I think that's another distinction between coaching because that yeah. might not be safe for somebody in the therapy world, but it right. is safe for our clients. It is safe for our clients to put an offer out there. It is safe for our clients to have uncomfortable conversations. It is not physically harming. Well, and it's also good to notice that though, because my therapist pointed out to me that when I did a 90-day live challenge, I was actually overriding a physical nervous system trauma response. And I had no idea because I just thought I needed to move through that. I'm a type of person that's like, well, I'm afraid I'm going to go for it. And at the time, I wanted to please my coach who had given me the challenge. And she said, no, whatever your head is saying about this isn't a big deal. Your body was unsafe. Okay, this is a whole other aspect. Right? So she made the distinction between uncomfortable and unsafe. And so we need to help our clients move into the fear when it's uncomfortable. And we won't know always when it's unsafe, but we need to allow them to pull back when they recognize they've hit a place of non-safety. The number one place I feel after 15.5, I will be 16 in February. So August was 15.5. Tomorrow is my 18 full year of self-employment, which came out of I know. So, you, so your self-employment can vote. That's great. Go vote uh, to <laughs> undo Texas stuff. I'm working on it. We'll talk about some parts. So yep. um, somatic internal family systems, like the part yep. that I did not get was from the neck down. And so I am a baby and I'm a kindergartner. I'm a newbie wanting to 
learn about this and, and dropping into the embodiment of all this work that we talk about, because I think you like me and like we talked talked about fellow coaches now I'm officially got the wine birds um is this head up and head up is sexy for me but now I'm realizing like what does it mean to be in my body with this stuff and I feel I feel so lucky that my first experience in any coaching training was with someone who does embodiment work. Um, it was a version of NLP, which I'm not a huge NLP fan, but he really took us out of the head into the body. And I remember at the time being like, this bullshit. And now I'm so grateful. Right. And I am so grateful that I learned that stuff because it opened me up to something that I didn't even know was going to come more and more. And the somatic stuff is, it's just, I can't put my head around it because it's not a heady thing, but I have been in a full, I have been yes. in a full body transformation from embodied work and, and release. I feel stuff. like it's a thing that from kindergarten, like, you know how we learn reading, writing and arithmetic and history. Yeah. I feel yeah. like we need nervous systems, embodiment practices. Absolutely. From kindergarten all the way through. And it's like, Oh, it's like, Oh yeah. In fifth grade science and in 10th grade science. And once in college, they talked about the nervous system. And now, so I have get this, I'm going to contradict Steve Hardison. Oh, this, this is. Now, I'm I, ready adore, for this. I adore Steve. Sure. And I actually sure. shared this today on a group and I have a client who, um, one of Steve Hardison's clients is one of my colleagues and friends. And then I actually have a client who's in my group now that we were in this. We're yep. just all, we all know I, my, yep. state, my state of being is primary. And I love that because I have been a big state of being client coach for many mm-hmm. years. It's one of the reasons I left and started my own. Cause I was like, dude, your state of being creates your productivity, not your number of calls. My hypothesis, I'm curious to test this out with you, but I also know you'll agree with me, so I'm cheating. Now I'm like, all my parts are like, okay, find the disagreement. My nervous system is primary. Yes. Yeah. I, I, my state I, of being can only genuinely be created when my nervous system feels safe. Absolutely. I absolutely... And I haven't been taught regulation. And I will say, I'm going to contradict some of the bigger people out there right now, too. We've got the Michael Neals of the world, um, the, the Byron Katie's of the world, right? Where I think some of the stuff they do is really profound, where we talk about we're you know lost Agreed. in the feelings of our thought. And the work is all about who would you be without that thought. But it stays at this level of our thoughts, are the problem. And those and people, are, here's the, those people are cis white people too. They are. So it's, they it's are. really easy when you're a cis white person and I'm a cis white person. It's really easy to go, Oh, your thinking can change your life because your nervous system is safe. And there are times when it is actually really useful. So when I'm in an anxious spiral, when yeah. I'm in an anxious spiral, I have learned not to believe my thoughts. Right. And so Knowing that my thoughts are creating my reality is really important. Mm-hmm. But I can't just say I not believe my thoughts and not attend to the fact that my body is in an anxious spiral. 
So I, I feel like what they're doing is important work. Yes. It, From the it's almost up. like there's a Maslow's hierarchy for me. And it's like, you know, yes. it's the body is at the bottom and then we go up and we finally get to thought. This and then is behavior what I love is, is at the yes. tip. Like, yes, your state of being is almost primary, but your nervous system is more primary and yes. then your state of being. Well, and your nervous system can create your state of being, right? So if we can get ourselves back into self, which our nervous system is calm and clear, then our, that is our state of being. Let's call it, let me, um, I just heard, I haven't shared it with you. I don't know if you saw it, but um, just this week, Terry Herbine Blank, I think that's who did it. I don't have that name. She's one of the main three people in the IFS circle. She's a like super senior trainer, but I saw her on, there's a podcast called IFS talks and she did a podcast called weaponizing self. And then she gives Mm. full credit to the gal that had, that came up with this term weaponizing self. Mm -hmm. And so weaponizing self where she's going in this pot, this podcast is talking about self as a continuum and this idea that we need to be a hundred percent in self she does not say the word bullshit but is bullshit and so my therapist said to me last week and i went oh like i can be five percent in self yes Yes! Yes! (laughs) like i want to scream that to the mountaintops because we're not trying to re-exile parts we just want to be self-led yes and self without parts is going to sit on the couch and meditate into nothingness like self without parts can die a human death that is so true. The self requires the parts. We need parts. So I had a part this morning that was like, Allison, take the dog on the long walk, take your vitamins and do your boring daily practices. That was not self. Self doesn't have any forward direction. Right. Self is actually loving what is, right? Like, so yes, Byron Katie yeah. changed my life. I'm, I'm not afraid to say it. I have other issues. <laughs> and... Self helped me regulate, not self, parts helped me regulate my nervous system today. Absolutely. Behavior. Yeah. And, and so this idea of being in self is, is like, I, I, I need to learn. I want to learn. I crave to learn being self-led. Yes, me too. Which means no part loses their job and parts are assigned the the beneficial to our system job because I have a, I have a personal thing with emotions are negative. Mm. And that's like in scientific literature and I need them to change it to all emotions. Actually it's not. So there's some scientific literature, but there's a whole lot PhD coming out here. um, That actually. So I feel like Yeah. So, so emotional suppression, I'm going to drink. There you go. So emotional suppression is is actually, or is that a beer? No, no, it's, um, called thick haze IPA. Okay. Thank you. I just, yeah, no, no. I had a, I had a LaCroix earlier and my wife was like, you're not taking a beer to your therapy session. Right. And I'm like, no, of course not. Um, so emotional suppression. 
All parts are welcome, but emotional, okay, emotional suppression, suppression. Is, a, is basically bad for our systems. And I'm not, I'm going to botch the science here because I don't know all of the specifics, but basically what it does is it puts all kinds of pressure. And so emotional suppression has been linked to all kinds of inflammatory reactions in our system. And so there is a whole literature on the... When you call something the, negative or bad, right. that's... Right. That, that, subconsciously creates a suppression right or i love what you said in your live today because i watched it (laughs) because you know i'm a stalker Mm -hmm. um it's not suppressing the emotions it's what behavior results from the emotions we can feel all of our feelings and i love my word and and we can choose how we behave or how we react to those emotions how we move forward and so it's really important to our nervous system. So many of us are bottling them up. And so for me, anger was one for such a long time. And then the time it would come out, it would be explosive. Awesome. And then I'd have this shame spiral around it um, because I can be loud when I'm angry. And so now allowing myself to feel it means that it doesn't get explosive. Now I know how to channel it. Yeah, you know how to practice anger. And go be angry or go be angry outside, right? Go for a walk and like scream the screams I need to scream and then come back to my wife and have a calm conversation. Yes. So it's not just feeling it, but it's actually how do we express something in a way that is, and I call it helpful and unhelpful. So obviously it's unhelpful to murder somebody or actually slice their throat, but I can feel the slice their throat emotions, not just in my head. So I will say I'm like 80% in my head, but I have, I, that's why crying in my pillow for myself was so important because crying in my pillow, I can manage that in my head, but crying into my pillow allowed me to embody the sadness. Yeah. Crying into Voxer for my coach allowed me to embody and be witnessed in my sadness. And what I love that my coach did, she didn't try to fix me. She just said, is this so weird to be an outlier? And I feel yeah. And I've had the same thing with anger. I was at an, an event with this first coach of mine and he... He took on the role of my father with something that was really, really angry. And then he asked me to smack a chair with a towel and I would not do it. And he just, he kept at me, he kept at me and I was just more and more angry. And then I just smacked the chair a little bit. And my God, like something that was so stuck in me for 25 years, gone. And I personally believe like the cells in your body heal, not just your mind and your spirit, but like your physical body heals being able to do that. I have a a former client. I actually did a podcast with her um, and I can't remember the actual name of the process that she was trained in and she got into the fucking IFS training. So jealous. Um, But she does emotional We'll get there by like 2030. I I promise. By 2030, we'll get there. there. In the right time, do you realize we're like competing with 10,000 people in a rainbow? I do. I do. Uh, And it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Okay. So she does... um, she does emotional processing work in one of her practices and she has a 13 year old boy. I guess he's probably 15 now since she's been my client. And I don't know why this feels important, but she has a 15 year old black son. She's white. Mm-hmm. Sis, he's black. 
And she's been, this is what gives me hope for the world. She teaches him this practice. So every day, one of her practices, she gets all the pillows on her bed. And every day, whether or not she feels like it, she takes a baseball bat and beats the pillows on her bed. And she even, quote, fakes it until she makes it. Kristen Kaczynski is her name. I also met her through the world. But she was taught how to physically and mentally and emotionally process uncomfortable emotions. And so she does it as a preemptive practice. And she's like, yeah, there's some days I totally feel like beating. And she has, like her son has a baseball bat that is for the pillows. And she has a baseball bat that is for the pillows so that they get out. You know, you don't just mindset change your anger. You have a totally appropriate and safe place to channel not just the mental and emotional, but the physical energy that needs to go into it. What occurs to me is it's self-care for our emotional system. And it's, you know, this, that self-care, I hate that word because it's so overused right now, but it's much more than taking a bath, right? But that's, that is in my mind, a deeply connective, loving our anger practice. And I know you and I, I have bonus kids, but I know you and I don't have littles. No. I have a another, little dog somewhere around here, but that's no, about I it. do too. But we're an, another kind of parent, right? And that's mm-hmm. the other thing. Like the, I've seen the pictures of traumatized dogs, and they act really angry. Mm-hmm. And there's a three month, at least three month, not to three year process of being with a traumatized dog, and they will open up. Yeah. Yes. I've, and it and yeah. it takes it takes presence. It's not taking fixing. It's not training it out of them. And so often mm-hmm. in the coaching world, we're trying to train something out of somebody when their nervous system just needs to decompress. But what, mm-hmm. what I think coaching, I don't think, I know that coaching does as we bring this into coaching, just like my friend Kristen does with her son. She did not put her son in an emotional processing school. She modeled, son, mm-hmm. let me tell you why I'm beating my pillows. Would you like to beat pillows with me? Yes. And so her 15-year-old black son who has every reason to move through the world scared, intimidated, unsafe, has something to do with those emotions, both physically and emotionally. That's a conversation they have in their worlds. So They're beautiful. meeting those, Teresa says, what is IFS? Internal family systems. Um. And like you, I think we both have these parts that jump up and down and go, of all the things in my intellectual, spiritual, physical, emotional world that has made sense, Yeah, this, this is a giant key. Oh, I felt reading No Bad Parts. I'm going to have to read it again because it was so transform- transformative to be reading everything I thought, everything on my growth path, going back to, we were talking about God earlier, Christina and I, for two and a half years, she kept saying, I'm, I'm not going to stop with you until you know your God. And I read this book and I said, I know I'm God. <laughs> and 
and I know that this is a way for all of us to get to know, like, and trust ourselves so deeply that we can go do the things in this world that light up our souls. And that's a difference too, I think, between the coaching and therapy world. I'm not doing a lot of doing with my clients. Some of the coaches that I work with, we're talking about the business building and some of the other entrepreneurs I work with. But for the most part, I'm doing that being work because I trust that when they get to that alignment where their parts are working for them and they're self-led, they are going to do incredible things in the world. Yeah, the doing comes from a place of fullness instead of a place of oppression and fear. And so I know you said curiosity is one of the elements of self that you're really attracted to and engaged with. For me, compassion and calm Mm. are really resonant at this moment because my nervous system is healing and they need Mm. compassion and calm. I had volatile. I had loving but volatile. Right. Like, so one yeah. minute it was loving and the next minute it was volatile. And a lot of coaching has been volatile. Mm. A lot of coaching has been volatile, not to yeah. my intellectual parts, but to my nervous system. And what yeah. I love is like the way I don't know what if there's an order of them. I don't think there is. But what I've noticed is the bottom half are confidence, creativity, courage, and clarity. And so when mm. we are self centered, Self is running the show. Self says, all right, creative. All right, bold. All right, confidence. All right, action taker. All right, nap taker. Like self is is calling on these different parts of ourselves to to use their gifts in those roles. And so it does not mean, because I notice a lot of overachievers and high performers have this, if I'm self led, I'll just sit on the couch and watch Netflix. No, no. Well, because one of being your best creating and doing that you've ever been in. Well, and let's not forget courage does not exist in an inactive state. Right. Courage requires taking some action. I actually have broken it down because I've been thinking a lot about this and I'm writing a book right now. And I think this journey, this adventure we have in entrepreneurship is through this land of possibility and the four qualities that are absolutely necessary to get into motion in the adventure are curiosity, creativity, courage, and connection. And connection being self-connection. And then the other four actually come as a result of the action. You get more confident as you you know take more action you get more clear as you take more action you get more compassion as you connect not just with yourself but with others and so there's this place where i i don't know if it's four and four exactly but there's this place where it's like action is required there's prerequisites there's action and then there's self that has to come from being emotion take action meet parts take action meet parts Right. Like we can sit around and go, oh, well, my heart, my parts get healed and then I'll do. But what I have found mm. is that the doing activates parts. Yep. Like, so this stuff with my coach and my therapist right now, you know, there's a part of me that's like, oh, don't upset the apple cart. But there's a part of me that's so grateful that like we're having this back and forth and that it's not comfortable and that I'm making up stories about how she's being. And, and I'm like, this is why I hired her. I didn't hire her to avoid the part of me that needs acceptance. The activating of the part that needs acceptance is the process of healing it. And by Mm -hmm. staying engaged, 
I may stay activated, but that part can't heal unless she's activated. Absolutely. She just stays exiled. And so I just say, I'm not even trying to fix her. Like today I just wrote down, what did you want to tell me? What did you want to tell me? I'm here. I'm teaching my clients. Listening to your parts does not mean believing them. Absolutely. That's very powerful. Because so many of us were taught, if you think it, you'll believe it. Oh, fuck you. Mm -hmm. Just allow, like, they just want to be witnessed. Mm -hmm. They just want to share their story. It doesn't matter if their story is true or not. It's true to them. Absolutely. Just listen. Notice when I like my eyeballs do this thing. And you say, as you say that too, I just think of so many times I've heard people say to themselves to an inner critic, for instance, like you just need to shut the fuck up. Right. And it's like that inner critic ain't going to shut the fuck up. Like you actually need it to say its thing. And some of these parts are good compasses for the direction you want to go. When they speak up and they get loud, it's an indication of something, right? Like if you're going through life and your parts aren't activated, are you really doing anything that is exciting you? Well, a lot of times they're actually right. And so, yeah, well, they're not. Yeah, Like my parts today told me, let's just just open up my parts journal. (laughs) Part that shrivels at criticism. Part that melts under being misunderstood. Part that wants to to coach myself through all those things. Part that feels like she doesn't fit in. Lonely, rejected, abandoned, not good enough, going to hell. That's a whole nother one. I'm about to write that portion in my book. Left behind. Who the fuck shows a third grader that movie? Terror. Don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me I'm wrong. Don't tell me I'm bad or evil or I'm going to hell. Um, Not able to be uncomfortable. And then, sorry, dad, if you ever listen to this, but like it was, it all comes from when my dad would leave the house and my mom would stand at the door with all five kids going, don't leave. And all of us five kids were going, don't leave. And Mm. my dad was, my dad was just now what I know is my dad was like leaving to give himself space so that he wouldn't be violent. But three old Allison didn't know that. But what's, um, That tender part doesn't want to be fixed yet. She just wants to be heard. Right. And I've been trained to not believe her instead of just saying, tell me what you need to tell me. I'm here to listen. She's not wrong. People leave. She's not wrong. People criticize. Well, that's the thing. Parts don't come into our world unless there is an ounce of truth. Just like, unfortunately, stereotypes are usually they get skewed, but an ounce of truth. Right. And that's the thing about parts is if we demonize them as they're protecting and they're wrong, then we're actually just trying to exile them. So we've got to understand on the spectrum, where are what is true? Right? Like being non-binary, it's not safe to be you in the world. It's not. And it is. Like it is for some people, but it's also not physically safe to walk down 6th Street in Austin. It's a good game. I know when I need to be vigilant, right? I know that I can walk down a street in San Francisco and have a very relatively safe experience. I also know when I drive up to my parents' house in Northern Michigan... If my wife and I stop at a at a, a gas station and I'm wearing a mask, 
I look very male and I am potentially at risk. And so I, that's when my vigilant part can say, Meryl, can you walk into the bathroom with me? Now, yes. is it overreaction? Maybe. But in that particular case, overreaction is much safer than underreaction. It's warranted. Right. It's warranted. And so what I love, right. I love that word dysregulation versus regulation. And I know this has to do with the nervous system, but we're part of what we're doing is teaching ourselves. So I use this when people say, don't be afraid of COVID. Fuck you, folks. COVID just killed somebody I know and love yesterday at 11 p.m. That Fuck. was vaccinated. Fuck. <gasps> I'm not super close to them, but you know who I am super close to? My best friend of 30 years said said she's unraveled. And I met this person through them. It's one of the nicest men you could ever meet. And just for clarity, let me say, he, he did suffer from cancer for the last three years and in May rang the bell. Mm. And so his immune system through chemotherapy was not able to handle... COVID and passed away. And so you can't say, don't be afraid of COVID to me because I say, um, I don't want to be in like mindset fear, but I want to be in a biological human being. And if, if I'm standing in front of a bus and don't have fear, there's a problem. So to me, it's discernment. Absolutely. That's a great word. Right. Like you don't have to, like, you're not laying in bed in your, in your bed at night with Meryl going, I need to be afraid of being non-binary to a woman. Right. I'm not going, I need to be afraid of the abortion laws in Texas. It's not that, but there's an and, and when you're in certain places, your prickles are up because you're biological fucking miracle yep and we have discernment and fear is a an emotion period and anything we try to exile or bypass ain't gonna work it's just not that's what i love is when we sit and say fear tell me what you're feeling and fear is going well i think if you're in northern michigan some trumper's gonna come out with a baseball bat you know what sweetheart you are so right thank you for being on guard Absolutely. I want to let you know that I'm 37 years old now and I have a few things in place, including, right? Like, I I promise I will never go into a restroom without Meryl. I I do. You're right. I'm so glad you're here. I I call it my own personal secret service. And I tell tell my (laughs) secret service team, I'm like, being on secret service 24-7 must be really exhausting. And they're like, Yes, but we're scared you're going to not be safe. Mm-hmm. And I said, so here's what I, here's what I need you to know. Number one, I'm 49 and a half years old, this, 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 and this, and here's my general landscape. Number two is I would like for you to keep your job, but would you willing to job share with somebody else? And would you keep a beeper on that dates me? Right? I, I grew up in the beeper world. I mean, <laughs> could you keep a walkie talkie on? And I would prefer yeah. that you be on call than on duty. Yes. And what I would like is to have a team of you where I assess threat. Mm. Right. So like you're actually, Aaron, one of my levels of threat assessment, right? If you're a person that I can say parts emergency, 
I will contact Aaron before needing that part because Aaron can say, I hear your parts. Let's assess the situation. You're safe. No, Allison, actually, you're not safe. Let's activate that part. Right. Right. So like I have this whole secret service team, but I don't want anybody in my system working 24 seven. No, because that's that's what leads us to the exhaustion. Exactly. And so what I'm learning to do is treat like, I'm fully supported. I have coach, I have husband, I have dogs. I, and this is not even the self-reliant part. I have peers that I can reach out to. I have, like, if I send the bat signal to Aaron. I love bat signals too. If I send the bat signal to you and say parts emergency, even if I just get a little love button from you, my parts go, oh, we're not alone. Yeah. I don't even need a full coaching session or something like that. And so what I love is I'm being able to tell these highly vigilant and over-functioning parts, I I don't want you to be not functioning. I just want you to have a reasonable work schedule. Totally. And, and here's, that- yeah, here's the other people on the team. And by and the way, I, I may need you. And that's the thing, right? These par- these parts decide just like some of us are like, and your live was great about this today, right? That we get overly self-reliant. The parts themselves get overly self-reliant too. And so part of this work is getting the whole system on board, working in harmony and in sync to know when, okay, vigilance needs to be out right now and a controller needs to be out right now. And, oh, you know, achiever, take a rest. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And like the, um, the one that I, I have a part assigned, you know, the exiles like worried about any criticism and I love Brede Brown's like, these are the people that criticism matters. Yes. Yep. And the way they'll bring you criticism is very different from the stranger on the interwebs. And yeah. I mean, you're writing a book, I'm writing a book, and there's a part of me that like loves my book. And then there are part of me is like, you ain't fucking telling the world this. Right. And um, God, I just am so thankful for this work. And I'm thankful for you. I realize we've gone on an hour and 20. Yes, it's going to be an hour and 20 minute podcast. And I'm totally fine with that. I mean, this, this is. It's, like, it's it's only the most important conversation you could be having right now. And I, I'm saying that both in humor and also in seriousness. I think I think the humor, like I have humorous parts in it in our shared combined old world. Sometimes it was like, don't try to be funny. You're pushing something down. And now I'm so thankful for that funny part. I think she's hilarious. And we've also got an agreement. You can be funny and I can feel you. Totally. Like I love my funny parts do so well with coaching. Sometimes it's just enough to diffuse that tense thing that the, whatever part is like throwing up its protection. If I can just diffuse it for a minute, I'm my therapist did it to me today. She couldn't make a triangle with her hand and I just laughing my ass off. And it was perfect because we were going into something quite heavy. (laughs) Well, and someone was like, you're just bypassing. And I'm like, maybe I'm not bypassing. Maybe I'm just giving a crutch. And it's okay for parts of my system to have a crutch. Absolutely. Like, why is that wrong? Why do I have to come into this world raw? I don't know if you know this about me, but um, right before 
I'm mean, like so I want to know everything about Allison no, Coe. Do you not know I this? Know that you know, I don't know you know this part of me because she's been really like not front stage, but I have a comedian part. And in May of 2020 with my event on the Friday night of my event. So I this is how I'd worked it for myself. I sold public tickets to my first comedy life coaching performance where I, I you gotta do this again. I know. And like, it feels really weird to make fun of, cause it was called because life is funny. And my husband was like, but you don't have a set. And I was like, no, you don't understand the humor and the coaching are in the room. Like I'm just going to coach. And so I was going to have all my clients that were at camp star heart, but I also sold tickets. I had sold three tickets outside of it before COVID hit, but yeah. I do have this part of me that, um, What's the guy's name? Kyle Cease that like does comedy and personal oh, development. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That she's resting and she's like, she's just sitting back like with her feet up on the desk being like, y'all bitches solve the world's problems. And when it just tell me when I'm back on, because there is a part of me that. <sighs> Let me just say this to you. Mandy Leto has a coach named Emma Stroud. I know. And Emma, and Emma Stroud is a freaking clown and coaches from that space of play and humor. So if Emma Stroud can do it, you can do it too. I don't even know Emma. I'll, I might meet her soon. But I, from what I understand, she's fucking hilarious and it is transformational to be in her space. Exactly. And a lot of the coaching world, it's like, Oh no, that's a tool. I'm very aware that it's a tool to bypass. I'm very aware that I drank wine today just to make this like, I'm so ready for my medical PTSD weed. It's it's but you made a conscious choice, right? There's a discernment when you have awareness, you have discernment. Yes. And so there's a very different world when we're making decisions by default versus discernment. There you go. Right. So I love See, I'm, this. I'm more brilliant with beer. So. I, right. <laughs> I actually did do a coaching session one time at a painting retreat and I had a particular client that I knew used marijuana often and she was really fucking uptight. And so I finally said, could you do me a favor and go smoke a bowl and then come back? And I put a blindfold on her to paint. And I was like, I, I need you to trust that your other sisters at this painting retreat will not let you fuck this painting up. And they poured different colors of painting in her hands. And she had this really contrived and Valerie, I'm talking about you. Um, they had this really contrived. Um, she had this really controlled painting. And what she ended up, they, I think they gave her lime green and hot pink and gold. And it created this mess on top of the contravation. At the time, she owned a yoga studio. She does. She sold the yoga business, but she put it up on the walls, and her and it was such the juxtaposition of both and. It was such right, and I what I loved was like so that's a whole other part of IFS that I'm not totally into. I haven't that's further down my road, but talking about the use of psychedelics in a controlled, medically responsible way to support people who are not able to access these parts of us. It's really beautiful work. And so Google search, internal family systems, Google search, um, 
You don't have to be a practitioner. You can be a lay person. There's amazing books. You can no Bad Parts is such an accessible book. I have a client reading it right now who then told the entire mastermind that everyone needs to read it. <laughs> so you can work with Aaron. You can work with me. Aaron, tell everybody a little bit about your books. Let's go ahead and plant some seeds for you to have a bestseller. What's your book about? So I wish I had known about IFS before this. So the book itself is secretly and has always secretly been about how to get to know, like, and trust yourself. But on the more surface level, it's about how to turn your entrepreneurial venture... I don't like that word completely... to into an adventure. And so I love the wilderness. I love hiking. And I had this idea that when we're you know in entrepreneurship, we're in a wilderness with no map. And we're building our own map. And so I'm calling this the land of possibility. And there's 10 essentials that you bring with you. And they're not the 10 essentials you bring in the wilderness. They're not your like extra food, they're extra water, shelter. It's the things that make your adventure fun, creative, curious, courageous. So I have items like your lab coat because you're going to turn everything you do into an experiment and you're going to think of everything you do as data. I have courage weights. I have magic beans. Um, My favorite concept in the whole world is high intention and low attachment to outcomes. So high intention toward a goal, low attachment to outcomes. My friend Shelly Paxton uh, was at an event where they called it Hyla. And I was like, oh, that's a great thing. So it's now your Hyla hat. So you put on your Hyla hat when you're in high intention and low attachment. And so it's going to be all about this adventure with these essentials that basically bring you back into self and bring you into know, like, and trust. And then there's going to be a whole section on like never hike alone, how to get support. And there's going to be lots of client stories. I've actually created avatars of hikers that are different clients I've worked with and different businesses. And there's going to be stories from me. And it's my goal is just have as much fun as I can writing the thing. And if anyone buys it, fantastic. Can you but, add an 11th chapter called The Poise Pads? I don't even know what that means. You're too young for poise pads and you're non-binary, but. I do. And I I know what you're talking about. But what I'm, I know, I know, but poise pads, like the whole, what the permission to have a leaky pee pee. Yep. Yep. All of this is permission to do everything differently. Really? I went to an and, event and, and Poise was the sponsor. And at first I was horrified. And then I was like, this is brilliant. I mean, it is brilliant. Poise but, is my like, favorite thing. So I'm really bullish on this, though. This is not about how to survive. Because all the 10 essentials in the wilderness are survival. This is about... I hate the word thrive, but I don't have anything better. It's about how to make this the most fun, creative, courageous adventure of your life. And what ends up happening is you learn... All of the destinations you're trying to go to don't matter because you're having so much fun bushwhacking yeah. in the wilderness, knowing well, having no idea where right. we're going. But that's the and whole thing. It's like life is is not easy. I play the worst yeah. case scenario game with my clients all the time, and I for the first few yeah. years I did that, I was like, no, seriously, I need to know your zombie apocalypse plan. Yeah, yeah. You're in a fucking coma. What do you do with your business? And they're like, God, you're so negative. And I'm like, no, I'm fucking realistic. Data experiment. Yeah. And when yeah. you mentally have the when you mentally have the preparations for the adventure, then it's yeah. so much easier to take the adventure. Totally. 
And I will say you'll appreciate this. One of my essentials is art supplies because I do believe that we need to be thinking creatively. And so I pull out my colored pencils all the time. I'm not an, I'm not a visual artist by any stretch of the imagination, but um, our adventures require creativity. And so art supplies are, are part of it. And I'm really, I'm thinking even, I haven't gotten this far down the, the line, but I'm actually thinking about creating a, a box for people who early order the book where they can actually get their Hyla hat and they can get a little lab coat. And so just imagine so like running your business with your Hyla hat and your lab coat on and like everything's data. And it's like, I'm not a robot. I can feel my feelings, but it's just a data point. It's all good. <laughs> I think, I think data is huge. I have a whole podcast coming on that or that I'm developing yeah. in my mind because a couple of weeks ago I was having a live retreat and I thought I had COVID and I worried about it for four days instead of getting the fucking test. I went in, yeah. I got the test and in 15 minutes I had the data yeah. that helped yeah. me. And so often, especially when we're mindset coaches or in the coaching world or in the intellectual world, we want to solve it with intellectually without the concrete data. Yep. And so treating everything as a, I'm like, I'm like, Oh my God, she's, are you listening in on my coaching sessions? Cause we talk about Literally. the, um, the, I tell people to put on your lab coat. Experiment. Yeah. Hypothesis, yeah. gather your materials, do your Even experiment, assess the results. It's just every action is a data point. It's a success yeah. or a failure with no meaning until you've done enough data collection where you can kind of look at the pattern. And what I tell people all the time, and this goes back to feelings, because people say, well, I don't want to be a robot just being like data, data, data. You can feel your feelings and it's an and. Yeah. So something fails. It sucks. And it's okay. It's data. And what, right? if you and like, don't, what if you don't have, like of all the things you feel miserable about, what if data right. gave you permission not to suffer? It does. It completely does because it, it's outside of you. So you propose to a potential client, they say, no, data point. Propose another one, data point. If you get to like 15 in a row, okay, maybe I should look back and see how I'm proposing and see what's going on here. But until you have enough data of no's, you can't make any conclusions. And so you just well, and then move that's on the thing. thing. If the data tells you to worry or to create a right. plan, to, like if the it. science shows you have cancer, right? Then change, change. Right you now. change the course. Like, you you change. change your behavior based on it to right work with the cancer. And so you know, right? But this whole like being in the Google MD of what cancer is, what is and what isn't cancer, mm. or what is and isn't COVID, go take the fucking test. Go get the Just data go. so that Just you know data. the direction to go. God, I, like you and I could talk all day long. We could. Um, how can people follow you, be exposed to your work, get in touch with you? The easiest way, I'm transitioning myself to be more on Instagram. It's the easiest way to find me. Although I'm sure people can find me on this because this will be on Facebook, right? Um, at Dr. Aaron M. Baker. Uh, people can go to my website. It's AaronMBaker.com. I have episodes of two different podcasts there. Shift Starters was the most recent podcast. I also did Life in the End. I just had fascinating conversations with fascinating people. And the podcast is on pause while I work on the book, but it will definitely come back. Thank you so much for being spontaneous and bringing all your parts to mm. this conversation. I can't wait Thank to get out in the world. 
Me too. I'm so glad you, I'm not giving permission for everybody to stalk me. Like it just worked out fine with Aaron. So let me set a boundary. Like only if you're aligned, will I respond to your stalking? If you stalk me and you're not aligned, I'm not going to respond. But Aaron and I were meant to interdance in this world together. I appreciate you. And I appreciate you for speaking what's on my brain because seriously, it is so great to, to connect with somebody else's parts, even virtually and know that I am not alone. I know. Isn't that the best? Like that's what we do in community is like we bring, if nine people come to the group call, like all 18 of their part, not all 18, but a handful of their parts come and it's so beautiful to all be together. It's building a web of support that is full body support. It's not just mental support. It's, it's the trapeze. It's, have you ever done trapeze? I have. It's, and then you fall off onto that thing and it's like, oh my gosh, this doesn't, it, it holds you. It's, it's an experience at least from, both being a participant and having clients where it's like jaw dropping how connected with our humanity we can get when we are in these spaces where people show their humanity. And then like, that really wasn't as scary as I thought it would be. Right. It comes for me, it goes to like, I stopped being able to be in normal circles because I'm like, if we're not talking about this deep shit right now, I'm not interested. (laughs) I think that's one of the reasons I love you is because honestly, there's a part of me that doesn't trust that most human beings can hold me. Mm. I'm I'm always the one holding people. And um, so thank you for being somebody that even though we come from different and same worlds that I know that you can hold me. So I love you. Thank you. I receive that. I receive that. You're welcome. I'm going to end the podcast. Is there anything, any final words that you want to share before I end the recording? I just want to say to all of you out there who are kicking and screaming about your parts being welcome. Just remember that if you try to tamp them down, it's like a kickboard in a swimming pool. And the harder you try to hold the kickboard down, the more it's going to like slip out from under you and pop you in the face. So you might as well let it just float around at the surface with you and splash around and kick around and have some fun. It's really beautiful to just be with parts and, uh, and I listen, I call it meet them, meet myself. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, hi. Nice to meet you. Tell me about you. There is nothing better in this world than getting to know, like, and trust you. Thank you for promoting my book. You didn't even know you were doing that. Peace out, y'all. You're welcome. I'm going to end this broadcast and then I'm going to finish up privately with Aaron. Dr. Bagel. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode and want to dive deeper, come check out Soulful Success. It's my online coaching membership community where we dive deep into the practices of being and doing that help you create your unique version of soulful success in the world. It's a special community of small business owners just like you, and it's where I show up and give my clients personal support and an accessible fee. Check it out at www.soulfulsuccess.info. That's S-O-U-L-F-U-L-L. S-U-C-C-E-S-S dot info, soulfulsuccess.info. 
always, thanks for listening. I totally appreciate you thinking about somebody who might really love this episode and you sharing it with them. Also, I always appreciate your reviews. It's like podcast currency. It's like a tip in the jar saying thanks. And finally, if you want to share on social media, a screenshot or any insights you get from listening to this episode, I will totally respond. You can share with the hashtag Better Life, Better Work show. This show is sponsored by my three rescued dogs, Leroy Brown, Clementine, and Rocky Potato. They're here to remind you to consider adoption when you get your next pet. More is not better. Better is better.